I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello! Listen, you smell something? Cook it down. Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Chancellor. I'm Josh. We're filmmakers, we're fans, and we are feeling it today because today we are looking at uh, three movies that we're going to call the It Trilogy. Um, yes, we have traveled forward in time and we've seen that the studio decided that It 2 was so successful they made a third one <laughs> where it said another 27 years and they've, it's starring like old people. So Morgan Freeman is the black kid and you yep. know, so on and so forth. Uh, no, we're, we're taking a couple right of s- separate films. Um, I want to know how that movie would go. That'd be, I feel like they're going to do that. They're going to split it again. They'll probably just do it, yeah. Just, just another 27 years and get older actors. So Molly yeah. Ringwald. Oh, actually, like, it goes like not, a redhead girl not, and then it's Jessica Chastain and then it's Molly Ringwald. She's old enough for that, yeah. Molly Ringwald? Yeah, yeah she's, she's rocking 70. So wait, how does she have to be? So she's what, 12? She's in, in Riverdale, isn't she? No, is she? God, yeah. I fucking hate that show. Yeah. Okay, well then, uh, uh, Carol Burnett. Um, is that old enough for you? 102. Um, yes, Shane. Uh, can you see Carol Burnett running from Pennywise? And he's just like... <laughs> yeah. And then she just dances with him and she solves it all with her laughter. Um, I'd watch the shit out of that. Anyway, the It Trilogy. Anyway, so the It Trilogy, we're looking at horror movies in the modern day and how they're sort of looking. So it'll be an interesting kind of take on, because a lot of people talk about horror movies, but we're kind of looking at it through the lens of three very specific and very different movies. But we'll get to that in a moment. All as a, with it in somehow related to it. Yeah, well, the they title. have it. All three of these movies have it in the title, which is... Not it from the Stephen King, Pennywise, that monster. It's just it in the title. Just, just the word it, it, it. Yes, right. I-T. Yes. How do you spell it, I-T? Uh, we said it. Ah, we said it again. Um, no, yes. <laughs> the knights who say knee. Oh, yeah. knee. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. they can't say it. Yeah. Oh, I don't think you gave him a chance to think about it. You're just like, you don't get it. <laughs> I'm I, I expect people to get I'm references. Slow. I expect people to get references. In a point fifth of a second. Point fifth of a second. <laughs> Any slower and, and get the fuck out, you know. <laughs> um, but as always, we start every episode by asking the question, what have you been watching? And we'll swing around. Did I ask you last time, Chance Star? I can't remember. Did, ask well, Josh. Josh, what have you been watching? Uh, well, I've been watching, I said last week, watch Shape of Water, um, but I've also been watching Silicon Valley. I've been watched all of it. Oh, I fucking love that show. I love Mike Judge. Oh man, it's such a good show. Um, I'm interested to see what season five is going to bring and TJ Miller's mm-hmm. left. So. I think season the end of season one has the best dick joke ever written. By, it's the, you know the, the tip, yeah yeah, the tip, uh, it, yeah what, what does it call it tip to tip optimum tip to tip ratio <laughs> is the name of the episode and it is the best most elaborate dick joke ever I love that show <laughs> um, and then I've been watching Room One Hundred Four which is like to do plus brothers I've watched the first um, episode of it and it f- kind of freaked me out a bit but first episode's good there's it's the one with a little boy yeah yeah, yeah. Um, there's other episodes that have a bit more of a hopeful ending and it's not always just like horror. Um, but yeah, it's an anth- like- anthology series um, set in this one hotel room. So is it the cool. same hotel room every episode? Yeah, but they dress it differently and they light it differently, huh. and it's like in different time periods. Okay, sometimes. I have got. I, I need to catch up on that because I saw the first episode. Really really so I've been watching that as well, and well, yeah, that's it. I don't know. I love that anthology series have really like come into their own right now. Like, yeah. They're, they're swinging hard right I like, now. though, that on paper... And then Twilight it, Zone's coming back. Was yeah. Pill, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. On paper, every studio head hates anthology because you're basically... Re, uh, uh, anthology series, you're recasting, redressing completely new sets. You don't yeah. have... You can't save money season to season or episode to episode if that's the kind of show. So that's why, like, Black Mirror is more like movies and that's why they're very tiny seasons. Yeah, well, and Room 104 is actually half an hour episodes, but because yeah. it's in that one room, like, it's... It's also HBO, so they have the budget. Yeah. Uh, Chancellor, what have you been watching? Uh, So I've been slowly making my way through uh, season four of Black Mirror. 
Cool. Uh, really liking it I, so far. I've only seen the first episode still. And oh, okay. Catch up. No, good. It, like Zane said uh, a couple of weeks ago when he was here, when he was with us still, because uh, <laughs> he died apparently, I guess. Uh, but no, it, it peaked. That that should not have been the first episode of the season because like each right, episode, it was I'm like, my favorite. I'm like, episode. man, I can't wait till they top that, and then they never do. Um, but I've are also, they different enough though? Because what I loved about season three is that, like, I think Nosedive is the best mm. from a technical and writing standpoint. But I like that like San Junipero was so different to it that it was what like is its an own episode thing? like um, San Junipero um, hanging the DJ, in it? which is probably one of my other favorite ones. I keep hearing about this. Hang, everyone DJ talks about hanging I haven't, the DJ. I haven't seen it yet. Spotify with dating is like the the gist of the shtick of the tech behind it. Yeah, Ooh. it's like Tinder Just, extreme. Like, yeah. yeah, cool. Um, I also finished Dirk Gently season two. Oh. Dirk That's Gently's. the other thing I watched, yeah. Yeah, come on, yeah. man, get in it. Well, um, how do you feel about it, Josh? Uh, it's, it, it pains me because the Max Landers stuff is like cladded slightly for I'm me. I'm trying not to focus so, on that because we haven't had details yet. So Yeah, so I separated though. But as a season, I think really enjoyable. It was mm. like, funnily enough, a simpler mystery, but more complicated like outcomes and like endings and <laughs> interwovenness. Like, it was just like, what... Well, it, it was funny because um, I've always said that I like what Max Landis has done with the story, with the writing, with the yep. style of the show. But what he's what he got wrong in season one is the characterization of Dirk Gently. That Dirk Gently is not Dirk Gently. He's fucking Doctor Who, and exactly. this season is so much fucking worse for it. Because mm-hmm. like the entire time, I'm like, Dirk Gently is this jaded detective who is a scam artist not a fucking manic pixie dream girl come on yep. uh but, but that's he's a that's Landers aesthetic though that's what he puts out there and yeah himself. but like you can have other people like that you don't make dirt gently like that i know yeah. uh, but overall it was a really good season but i did realize that he's kind of missed the point of dirk gently as well because like going back and reading the novels which i always do yeah uh it's very much a satire on how uh, how both pulp fiction novels work and how uh, noir novels work, how mm. detective novels work. Because in every detective novel, everything is inexplicably interconnected by the end of it. So Dirk Gently is literally a character who knows that. So he just goes with it and he just goes with it and it all ends up being connected. And he's like, yeah. great, he's uh, like I solved living the day. His life is a story. Yeah. Like, he, 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 knows. he doesn't do anything to solve the mystery. The mystery mm. just solves itself. He's simply there. He's driving down a road. He's caught Exactly. And that's not what they do in this series. So it frustrates me in that sense, but I do think it's very fun, very great to I watch. I think, yeah, as a companion piece to the BBC one, yeah. like, I think like they're both really solid adaptions mm. that isn't quite perfect, but yeah. I believe... Them two together, like, is good enough. Yeah. Well, well, I, I think Elijah no Wood is a much better character. Yeah, there's no more. So, and I'm also bummed about that because the way they ended season two, I would have liked to see well, more. Well, there could be more, but because the controversy did us like, is, well, yeah, they, they could have, they were working on it, but then it came out that he may have sexually abused people. Good times. Uh, and also, I have watched, um, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them up later because they're the two things we end up talking about in this episode. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yes. You made you watch them. Uh, so for me, I, because again, no one asked me. Hey, um, Shane, what have you? Hey, yeah. Um, I, what, Star Trek Discovery came back. Yep. I cool. fucking, I love it and I hate it because the first episode back, they're halfway through season one, they took a break and then they came yep. back. And then the first episode back, they killed one of my favorite characters. Oh, okay. Just straight up murdered them. And I was really angry, but then there was interviews with the showrunners because there was this. I can't spoil it about it, but they interviewed the showrunners and they're like, "Well, it might not be officially a hundred percent dead because we are dealing with time travel and parallel universes in this show, in this particular cool. version of the show." So I'm I'm hopeful. I don't know how to go, but the rest of the story is excellent, and a lot of Star Trek fans who really didn't like Discovery when it started are liking it. Now that it's back, because the, the the way the plot's going, they've got a really cool arc going. It's really awesome. good. Performances are really great. Visual effects are pretty solid, considering it's a network show. 
Um, I'm loving it. And you'll wait till it's finished and I'll watch it all. No, get on it now. <laughs> uh, so I have, because I don't have anyone to talk to about it. Um, uh, I was like, maybe with the good place with you two now, the good place is yeah, back. Well, so. I, I need to, I need no, to That was like two. me apparently, when I was reading Skullduggery Pleasant. So, yes. well, apparently, the I newest, didn't know you then. So, <laughs> we could have done this. <laughs> apparently, the newest episode of The Good Place is phenomenal. I've heard. I haven't seen I it. I watched yet. it either, so I'm just um, cool. Uh, I also rewatched Star Wars The Last Jedi on the cinemas. Oh, great. Oh, cool. And the rewatch of it affirmed some things about it and I love it even more. Um, and what I find really is that like all those arguments against the movie are so much more stupid on a rewatch. They make less <laughs> sense because everything's set up. Because a lot of people like harping on about how Luke... Uh, Luke dies from doing the um, force projection. Force projection, like they didn't set up that this was a power, and it may not have been set up in older Star Wars movies. But force lightning didn't exist before they did force lightning. But in the Last Jedi, yeah, it is the Emperor had that power, Mm. and it is set up in the original. In the Last Jedi, when Rey and Kylo first connect. And he's like, who are you? Are you doing... Th-? Not who are you. He's like, oh, yeah. it's you. Are you doing this? And he says, no, you couldn't be doing this. The effort would kill you. Yeah. Like reaching oh, across. Yeah, and yeah. that's yeah. literally like a very explicit person. setup at the right time that mirrors towards the end of the movie that when it happens. Um, it's funny. I honestly never realized people found the force projection an issue. They found the force projection. They yep, found... Totally. What's the other thing they found an issue with? I mean, I figured the layer thing... Yeah, kind of get that. Like, I didn't find an issue, but I totally understand if you do. But the force projection thing, I only found out people had an issue with that recently, and I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" Yeah, because like, you know, totally you know what Star Wars fans want—they want everything the same but different, but make it the same <laughs> but different, but make it the same um, but different. But what I found is the 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 mythic imagery in that is truly spectacular. And there's some moments that I think I missed the first time around, especially during Kylo and Luke's fight. That's just visually really cool. Oh. But the the light speed gambit I think is up there. Is just one. Of I just the, want to watch that um, their lightsaber like battle. With yeah. Contronium. And what's great is they never actually fight because yeah. he's not really there. Um, no, but, no, the one with the gods. Oh, the gods. Like, oh, yeah, yeah that yeah, that was so sick. good. Um, <laughs> and what is yeah. also really interesting is how. The Last Jedi elevates The Force Awakens in a way because a lot of people will say like, oh, I hate The Force Awakens because it was just all nostalgia porn and I love The Last Jedi because it does. The, the love of The Last Jedi, like I love The Last Jedi because it undoes a lot of the things in Force Awakens. I'm like, no, 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 no. The only reason The Last Jedi works in that way is because The Force Awakens was the way it was. It doesn't, Force Awakens is about nostalgia. The Last Jedi is about that nostalgia being undone by reality. She, Ray, the only reason Ray being revealed as being no one works is because she spent all of the Force Awakens thinking she was a part of this grand Skywalker narrative. Yeah. Now that she knows she's not, then it makes it interesting. But it only works like that because of the Force Awakens. Uh, because the Force Awakens was like that, and then the Last Jedi, which it's, is beautiful to have, and also beautiful for moving forward to the Star Wars yeah. franchise. Like where I hope where. it can go well, but I'm starting to look at them more as a single text rather than individual text. Oh, it's a saga, the so, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I watched an animated movie called Mary and the Witch's Flower, which is sort yes. of this Studio Ghibli esque thing from a company. The guy who runs it's like spun off from Ghibli. I was like, is it the Audi version of Studio Ghibli? No, because it's it's visual. Oh God, that's like an insult. I think visually (laughs) it is on par with anything Studio Ghibli's done. There are some truly spectacular visuals in there. The opening five-minute sequence is pretty breathtaking and a lot of the stuff in it is really breathtaking. I just think the story didn't quite land. It wasn't that it was bad. It It was good. It was fine. It just wasn't... It didn't feel as special or unique as something like Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's, it's worth seeing, well worth seeing uh, visual, even just for the visuals because it's a story about a girl who, find, who finds this flower that gives her magical powers and she goes off into this, it's kind of like a school for witches except there's some stuff that might not be 100% kosher going on and she has to, you know, save the day. Um, it's it's really really good, really gorgeous animation. Um, I would have enjoyed the cinema more if people weren't talking all the way through it. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, whatever. Luckily, it wasn't that. I would be really angry. <laughs> I'm a chronic shusher in cinemas, but <laughs> anyway. So, main topic of discussion: horror movies. We'll, we'll, before we get into the specifics, talk about horror movies for a bit because horror movies is, is sort of some of the first movies that existed, or the first yeah. ones that tried anything other than so there was. Was it, I was listening to Del Toro talk about movies and he says movies were kind of first. There was the document 
and then there was the expression. So there was, you know, the train arriving at a station, workers leaving the, mm, the factory. factory. Yeah. Um, and then there was Georges Méliès who was doing these imaginative things and horror movies were some of the first ones. So you have like, like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is known yeah. as this big one and uh, Nosferatu. Yeah, and, totally. And then into the 30s you got... Uh, like the Frank, you know, the, the, the universal, universal, the universal, universal cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you guys' thoughts on horror? And horror? Uh, I, I personally love horror movies. I love the way that you can watch a horror movie from, uh, from a particular time and you can see like how it's a snapshot of how that time felt about the world. Yeah. Uh, so like... They're very political movies. Oh, absolutely. Like horror is some of the most political movies possible. Um, and I always love watching how horror evolves. I think more than comedy, more than drama, horror is just constantly evolving. What's interesting is comedy dates super fast. And that's the funny thing because horror is always evolving, but it doesn't date. Well, I, it kind of does. The technology date, dates, but the narrative doesn't. Whereas mm. comedy, I think we're easy to easier to suspend any like dating of a horror movie because yeah. of like because we're film nerds. <laughs> no, no, because of no, not even us. Like in general, it's because mm. like we can appreciate the idea or like the expression of what it is. Yeah, regardless of if it's dated or not. With a comedy, it's just like oh, that joke doesn't work anymore. Why not enjoying it now? Mm. Yeah, there's a really great uh, docu- BBC documentary series called A History of Horror with Mark Gaddis, yes. which yep. I watched. It's really great. he just kind of, he, I mean, it's very, it's not the full complete um, horror history, but it's a really good sort of stuff he likes. Stuff he likes, and he admits that straight up. He says this is going to be because he's a huge fan of horror. He says this is going to be my exploration of my favorite sort of stuff. But he goes through kind of the relative history of the horror genre in cinema. Um, but it's really interesting because like horror movies are surrounded, like they're about fear, which is such a primal emotion, I think, which is why comedy is very <clears throat> um, idiosyncratic. Like some someone may find someone taking a shit funny, yeah. whereas another person won't. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, toilet humor or, or intelligent humor. And, and whereas yeah. horror is kind of... If it's we know it, all know what it feels scary. like to be scared. <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, today, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag with horror. Uh, although it's it's like the most consistent box office winner. Like yeah. a lot of people complain about horrors, but there is basically hasn't been a horror movie that has tanked in a long time. Everyone will say Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak is not a horror movie. It is a gothic, gothic romance. romance. Uh, I, I find it funny how like I, I have a lot of people, I, I know a lot of, like Chanel, she hates horror films. Uh, getting her to watch these ones with me uh, over the past two nights. What, uh, did she actually watch them with you? She fell asleep during uh, the second one. But it follows. She stayed the whole time. It hmm. was... Oh. Was she creeped out? Uh, no, she wasn't. And I think that's because oh. I was trying to make it easier for her by making jokes the entire time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so like I was throwing stuff out the entire time just so she felt more comfortable because I'm a nice husband I've done sometimes. that before when I saw Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. And I was with, see, Drag Me to Hell is interesting because it's an absolute hilarious romp for anyone who's it's a fan great. of horror movies. It's- but for oh, Sam Raimi. Not, I just, it's like a terrifying plus. movie. It's great. That's and Sam Raimi, baby. It is yeah. Sam Raimi, but I was with a friend and we were the only ones in the cinema and she was petrified and I just had to keep like making jokes or cracking things so that she wouldn't <laughs> feel as scared. I'm glad that's not just a me thing. Oh. I felt so stupid doing it. I'm like, man, I am so annoying myself right now. If you're in a cinema, you'd be annoying. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Unless I'm the only one there, um, of, course. of course. But yeah, oh, I guess we should introduce. So the three movies that we're looking at, we're looking at It as in the remake, the 26, 2017 uh, remake of, uh, re-adaptation of the Stephen King Spoiler book. Spoiler alert, It Part 1. It Part 1, yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, we're looking at It Follows. 2014. 2014. So. And then we're looking at It Comes at Night, which was a 2016, 2016? 2017. 2017. 2017 post-modern post, horror. Yeah, post-modern, um, yeah. From A24... Uh, and we're looking at how they, because they're all three are billed as and relatively advertised as horror movies, but they're very, very different approaches yeah. to the same genre. Mm-hmm. So I guess so we'll call them the It Trilogy. <laughs> uh, so I guess we should start with the main one, It. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with the, the Stephen King, which I would, I, I'm going to classify it here, but you know, it's not like a set rule. I'm going to call it like pop horror. 
I see that. It's like pop horror. It's made for the mass consumption. It's made for big audiences and and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about taking what's big right now, which is 80s nostalgia, (laughs) and then injecting that into the story, but. Quite effectively, it's not like hitting you over the head. Yeah, what's well. interesting with the, the and nostalgia thing... No, he was thing, the new kid from the block. What's interesting with the nostalgia That's thing is because the book is set in the 50s, not the 80s. Mm. But the movie, the TV movie with Tim Curry that scared everyone into hating clowns came out in the 80s, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, it came, came out in the 1990s, but it was still set in the 1990? Yeah. yeah it, well, that's, it's funny. That's, it's that's, funny. that's an 80s. So anyone who watched that was it's, an 80s it, kid. It's funny. It's uh, the book's the 50s as kids and 80s as adults. And then... The Tim Curry ones, they're 60s as a kids and then the 90s as adults and then now it's like the 80s and they're probably <laughs> 2000s as an adult. So. We missed a decade, guys. <laughs> What's, what, what, see, that's the interesting when it's on the cusp of the thing because I realised the other day, I'm like, well, like, like, you know how they say, oh, the 80s was this fashion, 90s was this fashion. It's mm. not like at literally on like New Year's Eve in 1989, yeah, everyone switch. just gives up all of fashion and music trends and starts something completely fresh. There's like, it's, it, 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 it's in gradients. It's never like a I set thing. I don't know. Thing. I remember when turn of millennium i was like as soon as that first firework went off my back my cap just went backwards my hair parted in the middle and i was like Whoa. you got an ipod <laughs> <I> got- <laughs> um but yeah so it i think as opposed to the other two movies uh, other two movies on this list it is the only one with it's based on ip intellectual property yeah yep. um i think it comes with that very raimi-esque horror i think sam raimi kind of has a lot of that pop horror in him where it's Funny. The mm. comedy, I mean, these other two ones are played pretty straight. There might be a laugh or two in it. It Comes at Night doesn't have any laughs. <laughs> no. um, but uh, it, like, in, whereas it has like these wildly humorous moments, it's the tonal shifts in it, I think, are, are made there to keep that sort of. And it's quite ingrained in, in the character of Penny yeah. West as well. Yeah. well. It was great. What was great about it uh, from like a, an audience point of view was that that was one where I didn't have to crack jokes the entire time. My wife was enjoying the movie. Yeah. Uh, which is very rare for a horror. She didn't like Gremlins. She is wrong. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's interesting too because it's set in this very hyper real world. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't like if, as opposed to these other two, which are very almost grounded in some kind of reality. Also, it is very, it's very wild. It's very out there. There's a lot of exaggerated things. The parents, the dialogue is even really exaggerated. Yeah, well, the world that we know, that we introduced to, and that we know the film that like establishes us in that world, it's like it's very haunted and like strange and like it's, it's using a lot of that iconic imagery like that haunted house yeah the clown is such an iconic thing in horror now but even what's the what's the other kid afraid of the the leper who's like a zombie-esque yeah. Yeah. thing there's but the, it's like all the parents seem to have an agenda and like they just don't you just don't know what's really going yeah. on in the town yeah like I, I take that scene where the, the the library scene which always i so everyone sort of raved about it after the fact i spotted it on the first time i saw it i'm like yeah, why is that happening it's with there's a librarian just standing watching the kid as he reads the book yep. all of, and it's it's genuinely one of the creepiest things because it's never addressed it's never explained and you're like what is going on he never sees it really. um, but i think it's made i think it is very much made to reach a huge audience i mean it's r-rated you know kids get their arms chopped off and everything but as far as horror movies it's made for as wide an audience as possible what are some sort of similar kind of movies you reckon oh, like that golly uh, why? Well, I'd argue the Saw franchise. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I brought about like the torture porn type. Yeah, it's very and new, new age. But the, these are like yeah. Well, Eli Eli Roth's kind of. of like trying to recapture like Cannibal Hol- Holocaust, like seventy style as well. Like, didn't he do a remake of Cannibal Hol- or something? No, no, he no did Green, Inferno. Green Inferno. Green Inferno. Inferno that's yeah, not a remake. Which is his take on SJWs, apparently. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense in that context. But you know, whatever, <laughs> man. Um, but it's full of, you know, it is full of jump scares, which is yeah. sort of the thing. A lot of people are kind of rage against yeah, that as a trope in horror. Insidious or the Conjuring films may fall closer. I'd put, I'd put, in, I'd put the con, I'd put Insidious in this in pop mm-hmm. horror, and I'd put the Conjuring in sort of the realm with It Follows, which is more of a traditional horror thing. Fair. Oh, you know what we were talking about earlier? The Omen remake. The Omen remake, I see as pop horror. It has jump scares galore, and it's a beat for beat same re- well, remake even, of the first film. I haven't well, seen either of them. Into, like, all the remakes and the original was like Friday the 13th and like, the, Nightmare yeah, on the Elm Friday Street. Friday the 13th. But was I Friday, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one, I'd put as pop horror. Absolutely. But I wouldn't yeah. put the remake as, I don't think. Actually, yeah, because he's a The child. remake tried to do the gritty yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in fact, same with Evil Dead. 
Yeah, uh, oh, that's a really good example. But I think that really worked because I love the remake. Uh, so do but, but the original is that pop horror. They still want to cross that over because they said they were going to. Of course not. They've got Ash vs. Evil Dead now. I think they were planning on doing that as movies and then when the show came along, they're like, yeah. oh, no, we got this. Let's yeah. just do this. Well, um, I know it's disappointing, but we got Ash vs. Evil Dead and it's the boost. I know, but we can put her character in it. Hey. And I think as far as pop horror goes, they're usually the bigger budget stuff absolutely yeah. as well i mean i mean for horror it has 35 million dollar budget which is crazy because it's a very big movie how they did it on 35 is kind of a little baffling but most Bloomhouse does it right i mean not specifically that but Bloomhouse does pop horror yeah most of this stuff because like say, i'm thinking truth or dare and i'm thinking I, you know what actually i put get out as pop horror because it's not in the way not in the content but in the mm. form it's using the form of pop horror, it's, it's you know there's the there's the opening, there's, there's sort of the prologue, yeah, the cold the, open, so, a cold then, open where someone yeah. dies, someone gets murdered, or something like that. Go into the main story. There's a lot of comedy yeah. ingrained into the world, and it's using a lot of the tropey kind of things. But turning on, I think that's what made Get Out so but, good is that it was using the form, not just sit. It wasn't just doing horror. It was it was reshaping it almost right. to be about something else. Did either of you guys see Happy Death Day? Yes. No. Okay. Pop you, horror. You no. Yeah, that's pop horror. Easy like, pop horror. That's a movie where I do not. I can't see how anyone would find that movie scary, but it was fun. Yeah, and it's fun it and good. silly, yeah. and it was using a lot of reference. I think that's that might be part of the difference is when they're referencing a lot of pop culture as well. Like Sam Raimi does it all through his mm-hmm. stuff. A lot of trick or treat. It does it. Sure. Trick or treat would be pop horror, which is a really great one. Um, and what was the one we were just talking about before the? Uh, a horror movie we were just talking about before. You just mentioned it. What was I it? I mentioned something. Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. <laughs> Happy yeah. Death Day literally references Groundhog Day in itself. It's like the last line of the movie, but <laughs> but they talk about it. They say Groundhog Day. Oh, you haven't seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, that's the last line. Oh, of the is movie. it? I swear yeah. they mentioned it before that at some point. Um, no, but- no, it's the very end because it's like you know what this whole situation remind me of <laughs> Groundhog Day. She's like, what's that? <laughs> you haven't seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, Blumhouse is interesting because he gets a lot of it done on lower budgets, but he's done. He kind of flits between the, the kind of these That's kind the of different spectrums. Yeah, he dog. does because he just turns it out. I think something like Ouija, Origin of Evil is pop horror, but I think uh, Ouija 1 is sort of trying to be a traditional horror, I yeah. think. I don't know that it succeeds. Uh, the Halloween remake. I, I think haven't seen Apparently both... the remake is good. No, Zane told me that once. Zane's wrong, but <laughs> the... <laughs> Well, the sequel to it is the worst. Yes. Uh, I, the Rob Zombie one, the Rob Zombie's original wasn't that bad. Uh, I have issues with it, but it wasn't a bad movie as such. Well, but that was it. not a pop horror and nor was the original, I don't think. I think both of those films... They're traditional. They're That's traditional. Why I, I call traditional them traditional slashes. because, yeah, they're, and because they H2O, kind of... H2O, though. H2O is definitely not. That is straight up pop horror. The, yeah, because you know what? They, I always that was thought, the time of like Scream as well. When, yeah. I was a kid, when I was working in the video store and I always saw Halloween H2O, I was like, why is it water themed? Uh, because it's refreshing. And it, but it's, it's not water. Like, it's, there's no water in it no. at all. It's like. It's 20 years later, I think. Yeah. And that's why I was just like, that's a really terrible title. <laughs> why would you call it H2O and then not theme anything water in it? <laughs> Um, but let's move on to uh, It Comes at Night. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> we all uh, have opinions about because this. Because it's really interesting because this is one of those really highly regarded films from last year. But I didn't like it. You didn't tell me you didn't like it either. I was preparing myself <laughs> for a good I knew you didn't movie. like it. Uh, fuck you. And I didn't, I no one like, warned me. Because because I honestly think that for the most part that is a well-made movie. It just lacked payoff in every sense. So I, what I would call this one is art horror. Oh, it's yeah. that, like, I mean, the other term they're kind of using at the moment is called postmodern horror, which I hate because... Mm. Postmodern is just fancy word for wanky. It's yeah. just a wanky term for wanky. Um, but see, they were calling something like a ghost story, a postmodern horror. I'm like, it's not a horror. Uh, it's not, it's uh, a drama. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just, there's a ghost in it, but that doesn't make it a horror. And what... Um, um, it's not a ghost story. It's a story with ghosts in it, as they say in Crimson Peak. Um, uh, but I think, you know, It Comes at Night is interesting because it's original. It's not based on anything. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the most depressing of a slice of life. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, like, I think with art horror, they're almost focused exclusively on tone and atmosphere and narrative doesn't even take, like, a backseat. It's like they kick narrative out of the car and, let like, just let it roll on the ground as they keep going. Which is, like... Th- 
The Witch is so effective. Uh, and then That's what I was going to say. Is a better version of this subgenre is The Witch, but The Witch doesn't have it in the title. So, <laughs> um, uh, Yeah, it does. It's V-V-I-T-C-H. Oh my God. Why the fuck didn't you let me watch that? <gasps> have you seen it? No. Oh you haven't seen The Witch I can on only Netflix. watch things when you guys tell me to watch them for podcasts. <laughs> It the witch is it's all tone and atmosphere. Uh, it mm. doesn't pay stuff off in the way you'd expect, but it's a fucking excellent okay. movie. Because, but I think the reason why is they just include story a little bit more. It's it has the tone, it has the atmosphere, but story is still there and it's, it's still, still present throughout. Like, I would yeah. argue that it comes at night has a story there. He it gets just sick tell the you end. It. Yeah, well, like, but that's the problem is that. It's about payoff, whereas the witch has payoffs. It's just unexpected payoffs. Yep. Whereas it comes at night, sets up that there's this virus, but there's no explanation as to how it works. There's this whole thing about how we need to be indoors at night, but nothing comes. It's, it's at asking night. us to jump in. It into, comes at night. It's asking us to jump into this world with these pre-established rules, which could be interesting if they explore them, but they don't explore them. Like that's yeah. Simple. I, I I don't understand. Does the does the disease make them go crazy? Is the kid going crazy the whole time and nothing really happened. I just thought it was a zombie thing, maybe. But then, Oh, I never thought zombie for some reason. Not a zombie thing, monsters. but like, like I mean, it obviously kills it. Like, the, the opening sequence where they burn the grandfather burn the bad, was yeah. really yeah. good. I thought that was really effective and I was wanting to know where that went and then it never went anywhere because I wanted to know what happens if they don't burn him. Does this spread? Does it just kill everyone? If, if the movie is just like basically contagion, it's just there's a virus that comes around and kills them, then A, nothing comes at night, so the title is irrelevant. Night is completely relevant to how the disease works. You just, you still get sick during the day. Um, yeah, and the way they're marketing it, I thought it was going to be like something out there. Yeah, they marketed like, it. There was like a thing that happened and they used the image because he hallucinates his <laughs> they death. They marketed it as if a thing happens. Uh, Nothing yeah, happened. Yeah. Well, they, they use, you know, the image, he has a nightmare of his grandfather there and yeah. he's like all pale and stuff. They used that image and they made you think that that was this creature that was coming to oh, really? the house. And that's, that's why they, the, they, they, the rules like lock the door. and like you know, Yeah, 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 yeah. They make a big point of that. And I think there's some really good, technical imagery but it's such it's sub it's style over substance over any substance hey, maybe that's what they were trying to get at because like the but dog that's like that's like if they were aiming to be not yeah because the dog like, i still don't get what happened to the dog i thought the dog was going to be a monster or something like i thought thing. it was chasing something that was a- no, i thought someone brought the dog to their house to threaten them to go like look what we did we made your dog bleed in some indescript way because we're not looking at it properly Mr. Police, I left you order. But you know what? I wonder if maybe like the intent, and I don't agree with it, but maybe the intent was we want people to come in with their expectations of horror movies and all of them are undone and then we want them to argue about the movie like we're doing now. If that's the intent, they achieved it. I just don't know that that's a very... They succeeded the bastards. I just don't know that that's a very good way to go about doing a movie. It it sucks because I was expecting something and this is something I'll bring up as a good thing and it follows uh, was that its use of wide shots put me on edge every time because I'm yeah. like, what the fuck am I going to see? I'm looking everywhere we'll, going, we'll, where we'll is it? We'll talk about that moment because it's really good in what it does to, in relation to, because the filmmaking is in relation to the narrative. It's very, mm. um, what, what's the word? There's a lot of verisimilitude, which is a big word, meaning that everything is cohesive and yeah. works towards the same thing. Whereas in it, I think... Some people have criticized that a lot of, there's some stuff in it that's there for like the nostalgia or the, the it doesn't quite fit in with the movie. I think this, the cleaning montage yeah. is a good example of that. I and then yeah. I, when, I, when I watched it, I'm like, why is this cleaning montage a thing that's happening? But you really should watch. You haven't seen the 1990s version, no. right? The miniseries. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it is so tonally retarded. Really? <laughs> we, yeah. need to, we need to watch it with him because we need to like show him and watch his reaction. Is it yeah, good absolutely. or is it scary? Because oh. you said, I remember when we were in high school and I first met you, you said that was it scared the shit out of you. It's the scariest movie you've ever seen. Yeah, because like thinking yeah, you back to when I was you were young. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was young and stupid. Don't judge me. Uh, but yeah, there's like this whole, and I, I think. I remember it being really effective and I've rewatched it recently and it's not as much. Um, it's at the start of the second part of the uh, second episode where you, it, it's really like happy and fun. They go to this, um, 
a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> And they're like having Chinese food and stuff, and the music is upbeat, and they're just no, having nineties fun. Him riding his bike, that entire thing with a ride. Oh, but him riding his bike, bike is so fun. But the reason I bring up the Chinese restaurant scene is because in my head, I remember it being it's really fun, it's really fun, and then suddenly it just breaks and everything's fucked up. Yeah, and I was like, what the hell? But rewatching it, no, it's fun, fun, fun. They have a six-minute conversation and then it breaks and goes mm-hmm. crazy. But the conversation was already kind of tense and stuff. So it wasn't like this yeah. jarring, oh, God, anymore. It was just like, oh, yeah, I know. You're learning up something. Yeah. yeah, I think I think bringing it back to for It Comes at Night, what's interesting is that the art horror basically is no jump scares yeah. at all. Uh, the Witch does it effectively. See, I love The Witch for its lack of jump scares. Everything was just, it was mood and tone. and um, But it kind of, it helped. Whereas It Comes at Night was mood and tone, but it wasn't about anything. So there wasn't anything to connect the mood and tone to. Whereas you still yeah. follow character's journey, especially the girl in The Witch. Um, but yeah, so moving on to It Follows. Yeah, which is what we're going to call uh, <laughs> traditional horror. Which to me, it kind of, it's, it's a good blend of the two. It, there is a lot of, form work going mm. on um, but also it, the narrative is there and the narrative is usually pretty strong. Yeah. Um, it's in, It follows as original. It's not based on anything. And a lot of those movies like Halloween and The, Con- oh, the Conjuring is based on their life and their case files but it's not like there was a book, The Conjuring, that they are adapting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet it has like, you know, those these kind of movies have these iconic touchstones. Um. Uh, you talk about those wide shots. Can just, yes, yeah, they we, were amazing. And yeah, they were in It Comes at Night, but they had no payoff. The very first shot of the movie and how it like works and the camera just follows. Her. Yeah, it just follows. I think what's really great with It Follows and the reason why those wide shots work is, is like It Comes it at Night. There's no reason for, for it. Yeah, you because in It Follows the the creature is that it it, it, it could be anyone. It could be anyone. It could be anything. And, and you're it's just walking. It and so you're looking for something walking towards the main character. And it, you know, I, and I love that beach scene. The yeah. beach scene, I'm like, oh, the, it's there, turn see, the fuck around. That is yeah. one of the most, that is how you do horror because that was one of the most tense things. And it wasn't a jump scare. It was building up, building up, and then you just cut to it and you, there's nothing I there. To cut to it, there's nothing there, and then her hair goes. Hair goes up. Yeah. And it's just And it goes chilling. up for a little bit and then it goes. Yeah, it, it was, was so good. So well done. Also, earlier in the film where they were in the bedroom and then they opened the door, nothing there. You're expecting something there and it's just like there's an empty space in the hallway and you're like, ugh. And then when it walks through and it's the big tall dude and I'm just like, no. Oh, that was horrifying. That was, it was so terrifying. Well and I, I love the imagery using the naked old woman yep. at the very, when she's first introduced to the creature. Yeah. I mm-hmm. thought it was really... It was such a well designed. I think the only pe- issue people have with it follows is that it occasionally breaks the rules it sets down for the thing. Like, why is the creature standing on the roof? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it should always be following. Yeah. Mm. And then also in the cinema, when he's like, oh, there's the girl smiling at us in the yellow dress. Like, A, why is she smiling? B, why is she standing still and not heading towards him? Yeah. Like, mm. there's moments like that where it kind of breaks the rules of the creature. But I always thought, I'd love to see a sequel to It Follows. And what you do is, I, I've, I think, have I pitched you this idea? No. Um, you do it's it's a threesome and it splits the monster into two. Oh, cool! And I thought that would be really oh. cool. And you call it like it still follows or it always follows, <laughs> or it follows with a threesome. Surely, the, the threesome should be part of the third movie. No, because no, no, because what you maybe an orgy splits it into multiple things, or but yeah, so it, it, it splits it, it into two, and then what you could do is you have the original curse that's still following the line of the people, but then you can also have this like secondary version of the curse where you can actually maybe figure out a way to defeat it permanently break or something it. like yeah. that to break it yeah. properly, and then the third movie would be about tracking the curse back to its origins to where it right. started because i that is something that i fucking loved about the movie and i'm glad it didn't describe uh, explain it but i so badly want to know what are the origins of this monster i know well i like i like about this kind of traditional horror is that they're very big on the mythology mm. and building a mythology like halloween friday the 13th uh, no friday <laughs> is friday the 13th I haven't actually seen them. Oh, really? Which is very terrible. Man. They're, they're not as good. They, it is so deep on mythology that, like, it's mythology space. goes up. I've told you about the ninth movie, right? No. Where oh, the, Jason Goes to Hell? Yeah, where the first scene is they blow Jason up with a bazooka 
and then the coroner eats Jason Hart and then he is Jason, but you only know he's Jason if he's seen in a mirror. Uh, but then he, but Jason's like a slug inside him. He throws up a slug and that slug can go into someone else. So he's like jumping bodies, just like Jason always has. And, but the thing is that the reason Jason's never died is that only a Voorhees can kill a Voorhees. So he's got to go find some fucking cousin or something. But to, to bring jo- Jason back, a Voorhees has to give birth to a Voorhees. So you think that he's going to chase down his cousin somehow, I don't know, fuck her or something. And then, but uh, her cousin's, uh, the cousin, the main character, her mum ends up dying. And there's like this big fight scene between her and a guy who is Jason, but he's just some guy. But Jason is in her and he spits out the slug. It goes towards her. She knocks it away. Then it goes into her mum's dead vagina and Jason is burst forth as a fully grown Jason. (laughs) And it is glorious. Also, there's some Voorhees blade that she's got to stab him with. It is the stupidest fucking movie like I have ever more seen. more effort than like what the Omen of the Antichrist, like the Seven Blades. Yeah, the like, Seven yeah. Blades. Yeah, nah, man. You nah. got to get a but I think The Exorcist I'd put as a traditional horror more because totally, yeah. uh, you know, it's like there's jump scares, but uh, they're used to add to the atmosphere and the tonal consistency. It's very funny. You're like gripping your chest like The Exorcist. Yeah. The Exorcist. <laughs> oh. I wish I saw that movie and I was severely disappointed. I set myself up to watch like a really, uh, it was stormy, Dark night, alone in the house. I'd never seen this movie. Everyone hypes it up as the scariest movie of all time. I sit down, watch it, and the movie is called The Exorcist. Mm. The Exorcist does not show up until the last fifteen minutes for two hour and fifteen minute long movie, <laughs> and they spend the whole movie going, "What could it possibly be? We need more medical tests. We don't know what it is." I'm like, the movie is called The Exorcist. At no point is the audience confused as to whether or not this is a demonic possession. That is not a that is not a question of dramatic tension within the movie because we know it's the devil because mm. we we know the I may maybe when the movie first came out maybe that was a dramatic question but it's in this day and age it's so far beyond that that it, it made the movie so boring to me but I saw the director's cut not the theatrical cut um I think oh did we talk about final destination just before I think final destination 1 yeah. It's a traditional horror, and I think the sequels are the pop horror. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting because I, I really quite like Number One. I thought the, the it was about the mythology. It's kind of very it follows in the tone and, and mm. stuff, and they were building on, I guess the the teen horror. You know, someone who fucks first dies first, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like all it's. I think they a lot of them have like this world building slash. I'm, in novels, you call it like a magic system. Mm. where how the creature works, the rules of the creature are very big with this kind of horror movie. It follows, you know, it always follows, you transfer it by fucking someone. If they die, it goes back in the cycle to you. Um, and, you know, if uh, Final Destination is the same thing, yeah. now death, it kills it kills everyone in the In sequence, reverse order. In reverse order from what how they were meant to die. Uh, wasn't it in order in what they were meant to die? It was the second one, it was reverse order because it was trying to correct itself oh. and then they forgot that with the rest of the movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank and you, Zane, for your approving nod. And then nod. the fifth one's actually the prequel. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, this one's the race track one, isn't it? No, that's, no, the, no, fourth that's the fourth one. That, that's the final destination because they got away with it because it's like, oh, it's still the final oh, destination. Actually, holy because- shit, I, it never occurred to me that they were... You're right. They got yeah. away with calling the final destination the final what destination. happened in five? Yeah, because it is because uh, the five's a prequel. Uh, the bridge. Yeah, the five is the bridge. And I like, saw one, two, three, and then I stopped watching halfway through the race car one because it was the, one of the worst things I'd ever seen. <laughs> Could you tell it was shot for 3D? Because I could tell it was shot for 3D. <laughs> Everything flying yeah. out yeah. Of your e- face. Every dead body was like, I'm coming out of the screen. Yep. Um, the fifth one was the bridge. And, and what I think, this is completely unrelated, but the, the <laughs> twist at the end of the fifth one is that it's a prequel to the original. And it's really he's actually good on the plane. going back and re-watching the fifth one and going, holy shit, this movie is based in 2000 and whatever before the first one. Everything is like, accurate but to how the did, era. How do they start? Like, how does it start? Uh, just a bridge. There's no... There's but how no, does it connect to the first one? Because oh, it, oh, it ends them on the same airplane yeah. as the people that were in the first movie. And, like, you see them getting thrown off the plane and all that. So remember that so time... Did you see the old cast or did they just cut to old footage? No, they, I think they re... re I like, thought they visual effects the old cast in. I can't remember. Because, like, you God. see it from the same sounds, angles, but, like, they're... I, I remember looking bad. I don't know if it was bad or not. I, I remember... Me looking. neither. 
All I know is that the fact that the, that means that the first movie was that trying to correct itself like the second movie was, so why wasn't it in reverse order? What I'm saying is those movies should have stopped. Yes. <laughs> uh, so are these three different kinds of horror movie, are, are they one better and worse? What are your thoughts? Yes. It Follows was easily the best. Well, I think that's as a film it's better. I don't yeah. think the genre the is genre all like, the subgenres are better than one other. I think it's each I think when they're, when they're well executed, each of them can be... Yeah, quite absolutely. strong and it's needed for different stories. I mean, absolutely, which, yeah. which would not work as a pop pop horror. It would become it would become something else. It would become like a different kind. Although that would be an interesting movie. It'd be interesting if you get three of the same script and shoot and like make one a pop horror, one a traditional horror, one a um art horror. Or was it post horror? We'll get, we'll get the same script and shoot it. Yeah, get the, the same script yeah. and like with different directors. Yeah. To kind of like change the story. I always love and, to see that happen, but no one would ever. Yeah, no one would that. ever do that because who's got the fucking fun money? <laughs> fun two of the exact same movie just to see what would happen. <laughs> the closest it came was that TV show, The Chair, the reality competition show, which was basically Project Greenlight but under a different name because he was on a different. It was oh, the right. producer of Project Greenlight. He went to the Stars Network, and so they couldn't call it Project Greenlight because that's yep. at HBO. So mm-hmm. he called it The Chairs in the director's chair, and he got it was really interesting. He got some female filmmaker who was like friends with the producers and then Shane Dawson, the YouTuber, (laughs) and they got the same script and it's so different. Zachary Quinto's in it as well as a producer and there's like a whole thing because Zachary Quinto like hates on Shane Dawson's movie because Shane Dawson does a Shane Dawson thing. It's this, it's it's just friends. It's the wild, raunchy comedy and the girl does like a coming of age drama, like kitchen sink drama. Uh, it's, you should watch that because it's very interesting to see and you yeah. just feel like, oh, I know the feels, I know the feels, I know the feels. But they basically give them the same script and then they go and write it and work on it at the same time, make two different movies and then the whole idea was that the movies get voted on at the end. Yeah, yeah. Obviously Shane Dawson won because he has a huge online uh, following except I think he made the better movie anyway. Oh, really? <laughs> a lot of people hate on his movie and they say it's really crap. I think it's not great but it's definitely the better of the two. At least uh, it's the so more memorable the of the two. Um. I mean, I think pop pop horror will always be the big hit. Yeah, the absolutely. Thing. The Exorcist mm-hmm. was the highest grossing movie, uh, highest grossing horror movie. Now it's it is now the officially the highest grossing horror movie of all time. And those big, you know, a lot of the Blumhouse ones are always huge hits. But yeah. Stuff like The Purge is like a monster hit. Saw is a monster hit. I, I feel like uh, the more traditional horror are sleeper hits, where like when they work, yeah, and then sometimes totally. they'll tank. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the art house ones struggle. Yeah, always. Time. Uh, very, very limited releases, or very release. very limited releases. Yeah. Um, tra- the traditional ones always do okay, though. I don't know. Sometimes they don't, I don't think they have a bomb, but they're usually doing traditional horrors on smaller budgets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I know the Conjuring was thirty million, mm. which was pretty big for a horror movie. But James Wan had come off creating the Saw franchise. So they're and Insidious and they had Insidious. Mm-hmm. Um, Insidious is interesting because I like number one. I absolutely fucking hated number two. <laughs> and number three was just very, un- like it didn't do anything for me. First time director, it was like Lee Winnell. but yeah. he should be, I felt he should have been better than that. Um, he wrote, he yeah, co- I was going to say Lee Winnell is in Saw. Co-wrote Saw with yeah. James Wan. They're good friends. And you wrote yeah. They're all Insidious. Australian too. Woo! Yeah, yeah. And we just bagged But they're out. from Sydney. Fuck them. They were going to make Spirit Saw. Spirit Brothers for the win. They were going to make Saw <laughs> here in Australia and then no one would give them the funding. Yeah, so they went to America. So they went to America and then Australia is kicking themselves that they didn't have like the biggest horror movie franchise of all time. Um I think I think art horror kind of struggles because it's always very idiosyncratic. You yeah. either like it or you you know you either like it like Tim mm. Burns likes. Mm-hmm. A previous guest Tim Burns loved it. Comes at night. It was like on his top ten list. Yeah, um, but we all fucking hated it. <laughs> uh, I really wish we had someone here who liked the who film. Who did love it? Yeah. I I apologize to our audience that this was just a fuck. It comes at night fest. Um, I'm sure there are, but people. you just—I mean—they clearly have terrible taste in movies. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's the answer. Uh, well, I guess extreme, but <laughs> I guess that's kind of that kind of wraps up. We might touch on horror again with maybe a different look later down the track yeah i mean horror is such a pervasive genre and everything and we're all huge fans of it i think we went to do a horror night in halloween and then end up being not quite a horror night we watched red eye 
Oh, that's a thrill. It's a thrill. We watched Red Eye, and we watched Tucker and Dale first Evil, and then I showed you guys Green Room, and then you like. Yeah. And, and then what was the last one we watched? We watched three, and then we did one more. What was it? The um, Babysitter. The Babysitter. Uh, yeah, which is that's a good because I think that was uh, each one of us chose a movie, and then the fourth one was something we all wanted. Yes, yeah, yeah, the yeah, palate yeah. cleanser. <laughs> uh, no, it's a good palate cleanser. Um, but I think that wraps it up. Uh, speaking of. I mean, horror, hell. There's a movie called Red Curtain Hell. Hey. That oh, I'm going to cut that made. trailer to make it look like a horror, like there's something outside the entire time. <laughs> and then and then it's just like comedy. Um, my feature film, Red Curtain Hell, is available on demand. And we have a... Yeah, it is, baby. Yes. Uh, we have a very <laughs> special code for uh, uh, listeners of our podcast. If, uh, it's available on vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. And if you use the code Picture Rangers, you can get 20% off your purchase. It's available to rent or buy, so you don't have to keep it forever. There's blooper reel, there's behind the scenes. Is the commentary track up yet? Not yet. What's but taking it's coming, you so long? Because uploading is a bitch. It takes Fair me forever. Enough. What's Chance to Fall Off a Ladder? Yeah, in yeah, bloopers. in the bloopers. Yeah. Yes, Chance to Falls Off a Ladder. Chance to is in the movie. I wrote and directed it. Um, and it's good fun. It's like a dark comedy about a play going wrong, and there's a lot of horror things in it. I stole from Carrie. I stole from John Carpenter. <laughs> a lot of it. It's kind of one of those nice mixed bags of several genres. But yeah, so check it out if you're one of our loyal listeners. Check it out and listen to it, and and let us know what you think of the movie by emailing at us or, or something like that. But we shall finish this up with our top five, as we usually do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and our top five this week is top five movies or TV shows. With the word "it" in the title, that aren't yeah. that this aren't horror. So fucking. This <laughs> is the worst uh, top five we've ever done because there is no list online. If you try and Google movies you know with what? the you word "it," Ranker came up with like film titles with "the" in the title and like literally everything. I found, it. I found it's like you I, piece when of I shit. Typed, I typed into search and I found it's film titles with the word "list" in the title. Yeah, that's what came up for me as well. So, yeah. but I'll go first. So yeah. uh, my honorable because I have honorable mentions. I don't know why you guys struggle. I know plenty of movies. Fuck with the word you. Um, I've got It Happened One Night, which is a 19, late 30s or early 40s. It's the it's the the beginning of the romantic comedy genre. Romantic oh, cool. comedies did not exist before this movie. Uh, stars, oh God, Cary Grant? No, I can't even remember. Directed by Frank Capra, who's very known, well known as the, the corny It's a Wonderful Life guy. Um and it's the it's the the template for all romantic comedies ever, and it was really interesting because it won the Oscar over. It was this tiny little film, and it won the Oscar over Cleopatra, which was the big oh wow one that everyone thought was going to win and take it away. And it won. It was the first one I think that won the big five. It won actor, actress, director, screenplay, and picture, which are the big five of the Oscars. Um, I, I I don't love it as much as I love something like His Girl Friday, which is more of a screwball comedy. I think screwball comedies and romantic comedies are quite a different genres. It, the lines are very blurred because they're very similar. But um, another honorable mention is Wreck It Ralph. Mm-hmm. Love Wreck It Ralph. I didn't expect to feel as much as I did when I saw that movie. I thought it'd be like a dumb video game. I, I saw I it was, very late because I didn't expect much from it, um, he, and I regret that. When he's like going down and he's punching and he's saying, "I am bad. I am good. I'm like tearing up. I'm yeah. like, no, what is <laughs> happening?" Um, and I've got another honorable mention is the uh, the IT Crowd, which technically isn't it. I love that TV show. It's fucking hilarious. Richard Ayoade. Yep. Um, but my top five. So I've got number five is Stick It which is the gymnastics movie, and it is fucking excellent. Fuck, I forgot about it. Fuck. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. It's so I really good, like it. right? It's so, so good. Um, Missy Peregrine is the lead in it. She's really good, and Jeff, it's Jeff Daniels, Jeff Bridges. Jeff is in Bridges. It. He's hilarious. It's actually a really fun movie. Um, number four is Some Like It Hot. Yep, I'm not surprised. Yeah, which is one of my favourite comedies of all time. I think that movie is one of the very few comedies that doesn't date as badly as other comedies does, and considering it's like now yeah. 60 years old, it's fucking great. Has, for my money, the best final line of any movie ever made ever. Um, and number three is the television show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I love to pieces. It's very funny. I haven't watched all of it yet, but I'm working on it. Number two is Get Over It, which is... Oh, I listed this oh, man, in our very first episode. This. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's a great teen comedy, and it's really great. And then my number one is It's a Wonderful Life, which I also mentioned in a previous episode, Not which is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, go, Chanster. All right. Uh, I'm glad because I think we would have run out of It films by the time we got to me if I didn't go next. So sorry, Josh, you're going to use them all. Um, so first sure. up, 
Um, and I saw this was on your list as well, Josh. Uh, yeah. It's a mad, 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 however many mad. Four formats. Four mads. Four mads? Mad, mad, yep. mad, mad world. I still haven't seen that. Really? I know. It's on this, but I love Rat Race and I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, who's this actor? Because apparently it's full of cameos and I don't want to, yeah, if I don't true, get yeah. the cameos, is it going to be weird? Probably, yeah. No? Okay. No, As our producer's aim is taking That was shot on. Because I never found any moment of like, like weird, uh, but just fucking great. I movie. believe that movie was shot with the same lens as they ended up using for the Hateful Eight. The oh, same, really? those the, the huge phys- same tri- physical lenses. triangle lenses. Yeah, the same wow, physical cool. lenses. Um, awesome. So, uh, next one is also the IT crowd. That is an it, because it's hard to find it words, man. Fuck yeah. you. The IT crowd. Just is uh, taking off my list now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that took two obvious lists. I'm like, you can't do that. cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one is Wreck-It Ralph as well. Awesome. Uh, that, Like I said, watched it very late in the game and I really regret it because that movie was amazing. Uh, it was How do you feel about the sequel? How do you guys feel? I don't see the point of it, but yeah, I'll I watch it. I, I, worried. If his journey in it is good, I feel like he's not going to have a journey and that's what's going to kill it. See, he's had his journey. This is the big problem with sequels in general is he's had his journey. He's learned he's a new character. Why change his character? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why we talked about Sister Act 2 a little, a little while yeah. back and how good that is as a sequel. I think it'll be interesting though because Wreck-It Ralph 2 will be the first Disney theatrical sequel since The Rescue is Down Under. I thought it was going to be Frozen because obviously Frozen was like the biggest animated movie of all time. I thought they're just going to churn out a sequel really fast, but they're taking the time. So officially Wreck-It Ralph will be the first Disney sequel to be released theatrically since... Uh, the rescue is down under. Man, bummer Cinderella 3. Uh, Cinderella 3 time. is such a good one. We need to do a whole episode on, on Cinderella on 3. Disney, Cinderella on 3. the straight to DVD Disney sequel. That's the next episode. You heard it here, guys. Not if yet. We don't no, do we won't that, do the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we need to watch them all first. And, um, okay. okay uh, I was up to number four, which is Bring It On. Uh, it's like the original cheerleader film. It's yep. just so good. Very quotable. Very quotable. And number one, I only saw it this week. It's It Follows. I don't give a fuck what you say about your stupid horror rules. <laughs> that was a great movie. And it was just everything about it was so good. And if you don't accept that, fuck it. I don't know. Whip the it. score for that. The oh, score yeah. for it is really, I've it's, downloaded it and it just, I can't listen to it on prolong because it gives me the creeps. I love the score. also how it's not, not really taking place in a war that we know because it's like 80s, but it's like in modern oh, times Chanel as well. hated that. The entire like time the she's like, what like, year is it? Like, <laughs> what's the seashell? Yeah. And I'm like, that's the point. But yeah, if you don't accept that, um, whip it. I saw it in cinemas. It was uh, good. That was a good movie. Whip, Drew Barrymore's meow. directorial mm. debut. Hey, Josh. Cool. Well, my phone died, so I'm just doing it from memory. But uh, number five, because I only had four because I couldn't find any and I realized, stick it. Holy fuck. Yeah, number movie. five is so stick fun. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, great gymnastics movie. You can just create movie with a lot of heart. Uh, number four was It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Yep. Great. This is a great classic movie. Uh, number three was The IT Crowd. Um, no, the it crowd, yeah, whatever. It's a great comedy series. Um, yeah, do fair, I don't think anyone it. actually calls it the it crowd unless they're an idiot. No, it was big nasty on. Oh on, God damn on it! Well, that, was an idiot on the big fat quiz of the year. He was like, "You the know it show, it, the it show." No, it's peep show and the <laughs> <it> crowd. <laughs> I hate it. I think the creator actually calls it the the it crowd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, number two was It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas Christmas yep. Tale. I agree with Shane on that. And number one is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's a great show. You need to catch up. And just the, the fir- if you haven't seen great. it, the very first episode is called The Gang Gets Racist. It is <laughs> One of the so main characters' sister brings home an African-American dude to yeah, the bar. And they're all and trying desperately weird. not to be racist yeah. and in doing so. And then so Charlie become- ends up trying to date a black woman. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, that show is so absurd. And I love the making of that show and how they did it for no money. Yep, the original it's pilot the, for the longest running yep. comedy, live action comedy show uh, of all time. Stupid question. Is it yeah. like uh, Friends where like each... It's like it, Seinfeld, it, no, but no, extreme. It, I, just in the name of the t- titles of the episodes, mm. is it like yeah, the, gang the gang gets something? something yeah, something, yeah. Something. Cool. yeah, that's every episode. I don't know why I felt like I needed to know that, but I did. Uh, it's important. It's, yeah, it's, good. it's important. I love titles on shows are an interesting thing. The Good Wife has a really cool title system that's like basically invisible once you get told it. Um, but anyway, oh. so that wraps up our episode for this week. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Picture Rangers, where you can email us at motionpicturerangers at gmail.com. 
uh, and find us on Facebook at the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. Leave us a comment, likes and shares. We love our likes and shares. We need to feel validation, please. <laughs> um, and you can find this and many other great podcasts at that's not canonproductions.com. And you can find me at on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chancer, but don't follow me on Twitter because Twitter's dumb. Follow me on Instagram <laughs> at The Chancer. I think you should have stopped plugging Twitter. I mean, no, nah, I it, want people to follow me and I just, just won't just do anything. Watch that. Like and you can follow me on Twitter at That Sundance KD, all caps. Awesome. Well, that wraps this up. Thank you very much for listening, and we shall see you again next week. Bye. We don't see anyone. We're audio. Oh, audio. <laughs> Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.